everybody. Good morning. We haven't been here for a while, so it's great to be back. I was actually supposed to be in Vancouver today, preaching in a church there, but um, Michelle and I, as just some of you have asked very briefly, we were supposed to go to South Africa to see her dad, and two days before we were supposed to go, um, we got a phone call to say that the center that he's in, where he's been looked after, they had a COVID outbreak, so they closed the center down. So we couldn't go. So we had to scramble and change arrangements and rebook our flights, which we did for September. And when that released us from going to South Africa, we then went to Chicago. So like two days later, then we were on the road to Chicago. And we were in Chicago for about a week. And then when we got back on a late Saturday night, um, I felt very sick. I drove back from Chicago actually on Saturday, Michelle and I, and I, was, I felt sick. I just felt sick. So uh, to be able to get back for 12 hours drive, I just drugged myself, if you understand what I mean by that. Just took some stuff so I could get home, drank some, um, what, what do you call it? Five-hour energy drinks and whatever. And then when I got home, I tested and I found I had COVID for the first time in my life. So now I understand why I was sick. And then Michelle started to get sick and she had COVID. So that put us man down for a while. So we had to cancel our Vancouver trip because we couldn't go, the flights would, United wouldn't let us on their flights, which I understand. So uh, that's why we weren't here the last couple of weeks. So just that you're aware, we haven't run away or whatever, whatever. And, but it's great to be back, it really is. We love you people, we love being here, it's a real privilege. And um, my son did get sick, Clayton, and he said he spoke deliriously. Well, I thought that always happens, but anyway, so... <laughs> And anything different, but no, I'm teasing. <laughs> but he was sick, he was very sick, and um, so, but it's a privilege. So he got hold of me yesterday and said, Do you mind preaching? So you, you scramble a little bit, if you know what I mean, because we were with friends Friday, Friday night, and came home yesterday at lunchtime. So, so let's trust what I want to say today comes out in the right way, amen. All right, so you've got to extend grace this way for a change, if you understand what I'm saying. All right, so open your Bibles to Philippians chapter 1, please. Philippians chapter 1. I want to bring a very simple message. I want to be able to put something in your hands to help you cooperate with God and allowing the gospel that is brought to your life, that's in your life, to work through your life. The gospel of the kingdom that comes to us and we've got to facilitate that and marinate in that and cultivate that ongoingly, but it's got to flow through our lives. So I want to talk about what I call 10 safe points, 10 simple safe points that will help you know to allow the gospel to work through your life. So Philippians chapter 1 verse, uh, verse 3 says this, I thank my God every time I remember you. This is the one book, Philippians, that he wrote to this church. He didn't correct anything. He just, it's a book of rejoicing. And he's writing from a prison cell, a dark prison cell. But it's just a book of joy and a book of rejoicing. It's an amazing book. So I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Verse 6, being confident of this that he who began a good work in you will 
carry it on to completion until the day of Christ. So he who began a good work in you, he started the work. He called you. You just surrendered to his call. It's not we gave our life to him. We just heeded to his call, if you understand what I'm saying. You, you know what I mean? He started a work in you. Jesus said, you do not choose me. I chose you. I chose you. Think about that. I chose you. And you heeded to my invitation, my call. So I started a work in you. I got you born again. I got you saved. But now there's a work that I've started that I will bring to completion. Amen. And I'm confident. Paul says, I'm confident to this. Not the confidence is not in the people. The confidence is in God that he will do the work. Let's go to chapter 2, verse 12. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Not work for, work out your salvation. For it is God who works in you. God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. The Passion Translation says this, continue to make this new life fully manifest as you live in holy awe of God. And God will continually revitalize you, implanting within you the passion to do what pleases Him. It's amazing scripture that. It's such an encouraging scripture. And then go to chapter 3, verse 1. Finally, my brothers... It's amazing Paul writes finally, then he writes two more chapters. Yeah, it's like halfway, finally, but I'm only halfway. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again. And it is a safeguard for you. So Paul was never afraid to come back and repeat things. Because when we hear something, we sometimes think, because we've heard it once or twice or even three times, that we're living in it. No, we're not. We've heard it, but it needs to take root in us, and that takes time. I remember, I might have said the story, I remember many, many years ago, as Clayton would say, when Moses was in the ark, somewhere around about then, but anyway, <laughs> that would have been Noah, sorry, yeah, Moses wasn't in the ark. Well, who knows? Who knows? <laughs> Um, and we used to go to a meeting every Thursday back in South Africa in a city called Durban. And every Thursday, the pastors in the area would gather, and there were a couple of guys that would come and just teach and preach. And they, for about a year, they were on one particular subject. It came from different angles, different people brought it. And I remember, and I used to hear this little similar message over and over and over again. And then I'd go home, and Michelle would say, how was it? I'd say, it was wonderful. I could tell her what they said. But it took me a year and a half, and one day I was sitting listening to them, and I thought, gee, the same thing again, but it dropped from yeah to yeah. It took root. So sometimes we've got to hear things a couple of times before it takes root in our lives. You understand what I'm saying? So these pulses, I'm not ashamed to say these things because it becomes a safeguard for you, a safeguard. Uh, the passion says, I don't mind repeating what I've already written because it protects you. So I want to talk about safe, 10 safeguards that I just found as I've lived my Christian walk 
There might be many more, but just for me, that I found God put his finger on, and he wanted to work the gospel in me and through me into these areas. And they're ongoing. They're still ongoing today. But it's a safeguard because I become aware of them. I watch for them, if you understand what I'm saying. The first one is this, very simple. Put God first. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all this. Put God first. Be all in for Jesus, whatever that means for you. He is the source of life. Not church. Not your family. Him. Put God first. I encourage you. Allow Him to develop His values in your heart. Because they are under challenge in this world today and what's happening. And we've got to learn to stand on the values of the kingdom within us and stand fast. Understand He's your Savior, but He's also your Lord. He's your Lord. In other words, we obey Him. He doesn't obey us, if you understand what I'm saying. Part of this whole thing, make the Word the final authority in your life. Make the Word the final authority in your life. Let His voice become the loudest. That's how you put Him first. Why? You have to cultivate this relationship or this fellowship with Him. Because I find if I don't continually cultivate that first and foremost, my heart, my heart begins to get a little hard or crusty then I can just go through the motions. I can raise my hands in church. I can pray the prayer, but my heart is not connected with him. I'm saved. I'm a son. I'm a daughter. And he wants our hearts to remain pliable and tender and soft. Because that's where it all starts, if you understand what I'm saying. So put him first. I encourage you. Abide in him. Jesus said, if you abide in me and I abide in you, you will bear much fruit. Allow my word to abide in you. And it takes a while. I nearly preached on that this morning, how to let the word abide in you. If I abide in you and my word abides in you, you will bear fruit. You will bear much fruit and you will bear fruit that lasts. Because he's the source. So put him first. I encourage you, put him first. I'll never forget the day I told my wife after I got saved. She knows I love her, but I said, sorry, I love the Lord more than you. And she still, she said something I can't remember. But that's got to happen, folk. And if he's not first in your life, I encourage you, say, God, let you become first in my life. Do something in me that you become first. That you become first doesn't mean you cast everybody away and your kids and your family. No, that's part of it. But let him be your center. I encourage you. And cultivate that. Why? Because everything you do, everything we do, must flow from our love for him. Why do we need that? Why is it so important? Because when the hard times come and the hard decisions come, you will say your yes because you love him. No other reason. Just because you love him. Let me use a very practical example. When I started to court Michelle, 
She lived in a town or a city that was, I don't know, 20 miles away, 25 miles away. But because of my love for her, and obviously we weren't married yet, I remember we didn't have cell phones in those days. We didn't even have any TV when I was growing up in South Africa. So I had to walk down the road to the corner where they had those phone booths. And I had to wait in line to phone her. And no matter what it was, raining, whatever, whatever, I stood in line to phone her so I could speak to her. Just to hear her voice. What motivates you to do that? Love. That's it. I remember I wanted to go see her one night because I was missing her and I didn't have a vehicle. So I phoned some of my friends to borrow a vehicle. Eventually I borrowed a vehicle of my friends and on the way home, it was about 11 o'clock at home, this vehicle broke down. Now I had to walk home. What motivates you to do that? Love. So when the love of the Lord is in you, it motivates you to say yes in the hard times because hard times come. It also motivates you to take the hit when people treat you differently or wrongly or falsely accuse you. You just take the hit. Why? Because you love him. It's just because you love him. It's okay, Lord, you love me. I love you. I'll take the hit. Who knows what I'm talking about? Hallelujah. So I'm not talking. So I encourage you, cultivate that. All right. I spent a little bit long on that one. Number two, learn to consider others and to serve them and be gracious to them. Cut people some slack. I encourage you. We don't walk in their shoes, and we haven't walked in their shoes. We don't know what they've been through. So we've got to cut them some slack. Be gracious to people. I encourage you. Learn to consider others. Learn to serve others graciously. Please don't allow the gifts that you have to expect them to have them. They don't. They don't. They have different gifts. Also, please don't compare others to yourselves and yourself to others or your strengths. Be gracious to people. I encourage you. Learn to consider others. The two greatest commandments when they ask Jesus, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all, and love one another. That's what follows second. Just learn to be gracious to people. I encourage you, cut some slack. I remember even before I was saved and we used to talk about some of our friends at school and I used to sit in the shop. Maybe they're behaving like that, but we don't know their past. We don't know what happened in their life. We don't know what happened when they... We have no clue. We have no... That's why maybe they're behaving as they are. Just be gracious to one another. And be gracious to your family. Number three, develop or learn to walk in the always of Scripture. Let's go to 1 Thessalonians 5. 1 Thessalonians 5, the always of Scripture. There's a couple of always in Scripture. 1 Thessalonians. Now, I'm saying these things, and they could be a list that we tick, yes, 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 but that's not going to work. It's got to flow out of your relationship with the Lord and your love for God. That's when you begin to cultivate them. Otherwise, it's just because I've got to do this. That won't work. That becomes legalistic. Okay, 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 15. 
says this, make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always try to be kind to each other and to everyone else. 1 Thessalonians 5, 15. Be joyful always. Pray continually or always. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. Do not preach prophecies with contempt. Those are some of the always. Be joyful always. My wife, the Lord gave my wife a name, Joy. Three or four times prophetic people came and said, people call you Michelle, I call you Joy. And she is a very joyous person. She really is. She loves life. She really loves life. Sometimes I've got to say to her, Shall I just want to relax, please. Let's just, we go on vacation. We're there like three hours. What are we going to do? Where are we going? I'm saying, I'm on vacation. Let's just relax. <laughs> Let's go to Romans chapter 12. These are some more of the always. Paul puts it differently in Romans chapter 12. Two verses, verse 12 and 13. He says, Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, Share with God's people who I need. Practice hospitality. So the always for me is be joyful always. Pray always. Be gracious always. Be generous always. Be kind to people always. I've just tried to summarize them as best as you know how. If you're not too sure, I say, God, work it in me. Let this gospel take deeper root in me so it can work out of me in this way. Because the gospel has to touch lives around us if it's true in us. Number four. Okay, we only got six to go. Husbands, love your wives. So now I've got to put all the wives, you've got to put your hand on your ears, and I'm speaking just to the husbands. Husbands, love your wives unconditionally. That's tough. Why? Because Jesus said, Husbands, loves your wife as Christ loved the church unconditionally. There's no conditions attached. And you've got to keep, Lord, work this in my life. But wives, be lovable. <laughs> I encourage you, be lovable. Be lovable. <laughs> And the gospel has to work into your marriage if it's real. And it's ongoing. Husbands, learn to love your wives unconditionally. And the next one follows on. Wives, respect or honor your husbands, but husbands, be respectable. Honor your husbands. Respect them. Don't worry about what they're not doing and vice versa. Just do what the Lord's called you to do. So if your husband's not loving you, honor your husband because that's what the Lord wants you to do. Hello, you with me? Go ahead and read Ephesians 5. We just don't have time. Read Ephesians 5. It's amazing in the book of Ephesians that the first three chapters, you all, most of you know this, is who we are in Christ our position and our possessions. 
chapter 4, 5, and 6 is how to work the gospel out in practical daily living. That's why it talks about marriages, and it talks about husbands and children and wives, and it talks about family, and it talks about relationships, because the gospel is relational this way and this way. So husbands, love your wives. Wives, respect to honor your husbands. I really encourage you to do that. If you read Ephesians chapter 5, you go two or three verses up before the, Paul talks about this, and this is what it says. Submit one to another out of reverence for Christ. And then it says, wives, submit to your husband. That word submit to one another out of reverence for Christ means bring into divine order. Learn to play on the same team. That's what it means. So our marriage, she helps me, I help her. She does certain things that I cannot do, and I do certain things that she cannot do. But if I need to help her, I wash dishes. I empty the dishwasher. Yay. That's the gospel working out, emptying the dishwasher. Why? Because I want to love her and serve her. That's why. Not because I have to, because I want to love her, because I love him first, and he says, love your wife. So I said, Lord, how can I love her? Then he emptied his dishwasher for her. Hello? I'm trying to be as practical as I can, folk. Practical. Practical as I can. And that needs to get worked out. And the minute I box my wife in, this is what she should do for me, or she boxes me, this is what I should do for her, there's going to be a clash down the road. Rather said, no, we're on the same team. We work together. And sometimes I've got to do the things that she needs to do and vice versa. Hello? You're all very quiet when I touch this subject. But it's just reality. It's just reality. It really is. I mean, I've told the story, and I'll say it again because there's some new people. Um, after being not saved for a long time, maybe a couple of months, and forgive me for telling the story, but it was a turning point in my relationship in my, in my wife. Uh, not that we had a bad marriage. We have a good marriage because I'm such a great husband. No, I'm teasing. Oh. I was sitting reading my Bible. That's what I was doing, reading my Bible. And she walked in, and she said something, and I didn't lift my head up to look at her. And next thing, the door slammed. And in my mind, I'm thinking, but I'm reading my Bible. I'm being a good dad or a good father. But my heart said, go and apologize. Done nothing wrong. The Lord said, go apologize. Now, the only reason why I obeyed the Lord, I promise you, is because I loved him. No, I had, did not want to go. Just because I loved him, I went. And I learned a lot out of that because when I went in and apologized and I'd never made a mis I never made an excuse or anything, I just said, I'm sorry. I didn't give you the detention you deserve. And the peace of God came over me. And I learned from that. I learned from that. Number six. We're going too fast through this. We're going to be Children. Very next thing. Obey your parents. And I know... <laughs> Because if you learn to obey your parents, it will teach you to obey God when you're by yourself. That's what it will teach. That's why we've got to teach our children to obey us. So they'll obey the Lord. That's what it's ultimately about. 
And I want to encourage you, adult married children, honor your parents. You might be married, have a huge family, please honor your parents. Because it's biblical. Honor your parents. It's amazing that points four, five, and six in Ephesians, wives love your husbands, husbands, sorry, husbands love your wives, wives honor or respect your husband, then obey your children, obey your parents. All of that comes before the spiritual warfare chapter in chapter six. We all want to get into the warfare and taking ground. And the Lord says, no, 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 hang on a minute. Start to get this right before you enter into that. Because if you enter into that and this is not solid, you're going to come unstuck. Amen. I can't be taking ground and pushing back the works of darkness and I'm treating my wife like an employee. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. She's my wife. All right, so I encourage you. Number seven, speak words of life. Speak words of life. Let's go to Proverbs 18.21. Sorry, the scriptures are not coming up there because this was just put together last night. Psalm and then Proverbs. Proverbs 18.21. That was put together last night and like five o'clock this morning. So, You all still with me? All right. I hope it's practical enough. 18.21 says this. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. The Passion Translation in Ephesians 4.29 says this, And never let ugly or hateful words come from your mouth, but instead let your words become beautiful gifts that encourage others. Do this by speaking words of grace to help them. So I encourage you, speak words of life. Speak words of encouragement. Speak words of edification. Be an encourager to people. Encourage people. Encourage people. Encourage people. Don't pull them down. The devil can do that. Or he tries to do that. The book of Proverbs, I encourage you, take the book of Proverbs and go through the Proverbs, chapter 1 to chapter 30, 31. And every time you see the word lips, mouth, or tongue, read it, because it's to do with the words that are coming out of your mouth. I'm going to read some of them. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 14 says this. I quickly look at some of them. Proverbs 12, 14 says this. From the fruit of his lips, a man is filled with good things. From the fruit of his lips, a man is filled with good things. Proverbs 12, 18 says this. Reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Proverbs 12, 25 says this. An anxious heart weighs down a man, but a kind word cheers him up. Proverbs is full of them. Proverbs 13, 3 says this. He who guards his lips guards his life. But he who speaks rashly will come to ruin. So when you want to say something and there's anger seething you or whatever, just take 
two steps back, do a little bit of self-talk, let it calm down before you respond. That's why self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. Self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. God wants to teach us self-control. Proverbs 16, 23 says this. A wise man's heart guides his mouth and his lips promote instruction. Pleasant words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. So my wife taught me a lot of things. She really has. One of the things she's taught me is that when people come to you and speak to you, and you maybe struggle with people. You, sometimes you do. You struggle with certain people. And you say, so you don't want to be false towards them. You want to be honest towards them. So find something that is good in their life and speak that to them and encourage them. Then you speak in truth. Amen. All right, so learn to speak words of life. I encourage you, learn to speak words of life. Words are powerful vehicles. They really are. They're containers. That's, they're like containers, words. They carry faith or fear, belief or doubt, conviction or confusion. They're like seeds. They will always produce after their kind. So words are like seeds, and when they're planted, a harvest will flow. That's why words are so powerful. They paint pictures. You, somebody that's very eloquently be able to speak, which I am not my, one of my giftings, but you can paint pictures with words. When it's a great orator, you can sway crowds because of your words. You can paint a picture. It's a wonderful gift to be able to do that. Words can carry faith or doubt, and it's released through your words. All faith and doubt is released through your words. Words can impact the atmosphere in our homes, our lives, our relationships. Words create the atmosphere in your life. Words create the atmosphere in your home. Words create the atmosphere in my relationship with my wife. Words create that atmosphere. That's how powerful words are. So learn to speak words of life. I'm encouraging you. Learn. God, teach me how to speak words of life. Teach me how to encourage. Teach me how to edify. Not flattery. Not false flattery. Not false building up. Genuine honesty. Number eight. Walk in forgiveness to others and yourself. Learn to say these three words. I am sorry. Learn to say those three words to God, to others, and yourself. Walk in forgiveness. Number nine, live with eternity in mind. Your citizenship is in heaven. It's not on earth. We live on earth, but live with eternity in your mind. Many of you know about Michelle's dad, who is not well. He has a brain tumor, and... Um, I don't know how to say these words. I'm not too sure how to say it, but his time is very, 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 very limited. It really is limited, and there's nothing anybody can do. He is 90 years old, so um, we understand that his day is coming. But um, because of the eternity perspective that Michelle has in her heart, she's able 
to understand what's happening to her dad and where he's going so she doesn't walk around depressed. She walks around cheerfully. She knows where he's going. There's an eternity factor involved. There's an eternity factor involved. We're here for a glimpse. We really are. The Bible says we like grass. We're here one day, we go on the next. Live with eternity in mind. I encourage you. Sometimes we don't understand things here, but there's an eternal perspective. God sees everything from an eternal perspective. Let that take root inside you. Live with eternity in your heart. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Remember, He is always with you because He promised that. I will never leave you. I'm always with you. Always with you. He's the lifter of your head. He will walk you through the flames of fire. He will not let the river overflow you. He will take hold of your hand through tough seasons. He will teach you. He'll bring maturity to you in tough seasons. The journey is more important to the Lord than the destiny where we're going because that's secure. It's the journey on the road we have with him that he wants to teach us and mature us. So live with eternity in your heart. And number 10, very simple one. Don't take yourself too seriously. That one's for me. Lighten up a little bit. Laugh. Have a sense of humor. I encourage you. I got to tell myself sometimes that. Don't take yourself too seriously. One of the reasons I love being around this man is because he makes me laugh so much. He really does. I mean, he's a little goofy, I understand that, but he makes me laugh. <laughs> the Bible says in Proverbs 17, 22, a cheerful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. A cheerful heart. Proverbs 15, 13 says, a happy heart makes the face cheerful. It's amazing how much wisdom is in Proverbs. Please don't take yourself too seriously. We've got to learn to lighten up a little bit. The Lord has it. He's on his throne. He's not rocked by what's happening. So those are the 10 simple safeguards that I put in my own life over years that our Lord, I want to safeguard these things. I want to safeguard my marriage. I want to safeguard my relationship with you. I want to safeguard in the way I treat people. I want to safeguard that I honor people and encourage people. I want to safeguard the fact that I'm walking in forgiveness on an ongoing basis. I want to safeguard that I live in with you as eternity in my heart because it's an eternal issue. That's what I mean. Safeguard these things. Safeguard these things. They will protect you. They will protect you. I want to live and safeguard the fact that what comes out of my mouth is beneficial, not destructive. All right. I want to read this to end with out of Philippians chapter 4, because that's where we are. It's the last few out of the Passion's translation. I'm going to read it slowly, because Paul's coming to the end of this letter. Be cheerful with joyous celebration in every season of life. Let joy overflow, for you are united with the Anointed One. Let gentleness be seen in every relationship, for our Lord is very near. Don't be pulled in different directions or worry about a thing. 
Be saturated in prayer throughout each day, offering your faithful requests before God, overflowing with gratitude. Tell Him every detail of your life. Then God's wonderful peace that transcends human understanding will make the answers known to you through Jesus Christ. So keep your thoughts continually fixed on all that is authentic and real, honorable, admirable, beautiful, respectful, pure, holy, merciful, and kind. And fasten your thoughts on every glorious work of God, praising Him always. Follow the example of all that we have imparted to you. And the God of peace will be with you in all things. Cultivate these things. Let this become a safeguard in your life. Blessings. I hope that was helpful. Just trying to be very practical for the gospel to flow through you. Everyone's. That was awesome. Simple, practical, and executable. Thank you. It's executable. I want to encourage you to like listen to this one over and over again. If this kind of stuff gets inside, it'll naturally come out, and that's yeah, really where you good. want to operate yeah. from. Yeah. So thank you for that. You're welcome. Um, we want to just encourage people, if you'd like prayer, come over here and, and get prayer from the ministry I team. I one thing, sorry. And he's got one more thing. I'm okay. Say, My wife coming here felt this, and I just, I said, Lord, remind me if it needs to happen. We feel like we want to pray for all the young people, 13, 14. Don't call them out of children's church. Please don't. We have time. All the young people between the ages of 13, 14, up to 25. Sorry? Even like this young man over here. 10 to 25. If you sit in here, can you come forward? 10 to 25. You can be married or unmarried. It doesn't matter. 10 to 25. Ma, 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 ma. Oh, these are the 10 to 25-year-olds. Ma! Suffering catfish. I didn't know there were so many of you. All right. My, this is wonderful. People, if you sit in there, I want you to look at these young people. Some of them might be related to you. Pray for these people. They go through things you and I haven't been through. The pressure is on them intensely. It really is. Pray the Lord would take hold of their hearts. Don't put religion on them. Please don't do that. Let them live life and enjoy their young life. But let the Lord take hold of their hearts. Pray for them because that's what we want to do. Amen. Thank you for coming up. And I want to thank you, young people. I really do for coming Yeah, on a Sunday. Maybe some of you are forced to come, but that's okay. The Lord can still work. That's okay. That's okay. God can work in those circumstances. He can. I want to encourage you. Let the Lord take hold of your heart. Let the Lord take hold of your heart. And I know as a young person, you say, oh, I don't want my mom and dad to know about this. It's between you and the Lord. Let him do the work in you. Do you understand what I'm saying? Can we pray for you? Is that okay, young people? You sure? Yes? Okay. Well, we're going to pray for you anyway. All right. So I want to encourage all of you to stand up and lift your hands to these young people and let's pray for them. Father, I want to thank you for these wonderful young people. Really, Lord, we thank you for them. We thank you for our sons and daughters. Our sons and daughters. We thank you for this generation.
And Father, we ask you that you would allow your mercy and grace to rest on their lives. Captivate their hearts at a young age, we pray. Let your realness become real to them, Lord. Let you become real to them, I pray, Father. Father, protect their hearts. Protect their minds. Protect their emotions, Lord. Give them strength to stand when they need to stand against what comes their way, Lord. And Father, I feel like in the name of Jesus Christ, I want to say we claim these young people for the kingdom, for the kingdom of God. We declare the work of the evil one will be broken over them. In the name of Jesus, I declare into the spirit realm, works of darkness, I rebuke your work over these young people. In the name of Jesus Christ, I rebuke your work over them. I rebuke your work over them in the name of Jesus. Father, let love and grace be a cornerstone in their life. We thank you for them. Bless them. Let your callings and giftings be evident upon them. Some of you young people, as I look at I could just see the callings of God on your life. He will work it out in you. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Okay, two people to come pray for them. Any two people. Just keep it short. If you have a heart for young people, I want you to come and pray for them publicly. Just keep it short, that's all. Wonderful. Come here. Hi, it's good to see you. Yeah, it's wonderful to see you. Our sweet Jesus. Lord, you knitted these children in their parents' womb, yeah. in their mother's womb. You developed their heart. You developed every sinew of their body, Lord. And you knitted them perfect, absolutely perfect. Children and young people, you are perfect in his sight. There is nothing that this world can share with you to tell you, that you need to be this, or you need to be that, or you need to be this, because you are perfect Good. just as you are made, because you have been made in God's own image. Wonderful. And we pray this in these young people's name, Lord, and that they would truly come to know you as your friend, as your lover, as your care provider, as an intimate, intimate being in their lives. And we pray all of these things in your Son, Jesus Christ's name. Yeah. Amen. Amen. All right. One more prayer, young people. You're doing well. Sorry, Josh. He likes the mic. Sorry. I just had a, um, a thing for you. I saw most of you have um, received Jesus in your life. And there is that light of God in you. Some of you, I feel, are hiding that light. Hiding it under the bushel, as the little kid's song said. But you know... God's got it. Yeah, good. He never lets go. Good. And in the right time, that'll go. Yeah. So just know that God's got you. Good. God has you deep within. Yeah. You, might, you might think, I don't really want to know if I want to go this route. It's fine. God's got it. Yeah. 
many of you as young children have given your life to the the Lord and God has you. When you're at that quiet time with him, when you spend time with him, just become aware of him and allow him to work in your life. And don't worry about what you have to do and what you don't have to do in that. Just connect with him. Good. So one thing, Josh, um, you guys are doing well up here. Um, I, <clears throat> I was once a young person. As every other old person, we were all once you. But what you guys face and what we faced are two very, very different things. And I led youth for 12 years on two continents. And so I, um, I really love young people. And I just want to say to you, don't worry about the trouble you'll get into when you do dumb stuff. Tell your parents. Stop worrying about what they'll do to you. You know, the devil, it's a, it's a trick. It's a trick. I've seen it for too long. It doesn't even matter if, you know, whatever they do. It's less what will happen to you in terms of discipline or at school. It's less than if you say nothing. A thousand times less in the soul. If you don't start to speak these things, you need to be able to speak to someone, not your friends. Your friends, I'm sure they're all wonderful, but they know as little or less than you. And they say they know a lot. They don't. They may really believe they do. They don't. Speak to your parents. Speak to someone in authority. Please, I beg you. The thing about authority, it's not about who's in charge. Authority has the, the right and the power to change something. Your friends do not. They do not. If you don't have parents that you can speak to for various reasons, ask the Lord to bring that spiritual father, spiritual mother into your life. Tell them what you are afraid to tell someone. Tell them what you think. Tell them your thoughts. Tell them what you struggle with. I used to tell the youth, they remember, they were there. Everything you do, one day you'll tell your parents. They were like, nope. I'm like, yeah, you will. But I encourage you, don't wait. You've got to speak to someone. If you have these horrible thoughts and doubts and stuff you're struggling with, speak to them. Parents, I encourage you, don't be shocked. Listen. Yeah. You must speak to someone. If you keep it in here and in here, it will be destructive. Far more than you. My father took my bedroom door away. I did. So, I took it off. So cruel, right? Yeah, he's like, you're not making good decisions with privacy, so you no longer have any. I did it to go over to Tell you what, thank the Lord he did that. Without a door, probably saved my life. For real. That's all I want to say. Speak to someone. Please. I, I beg you if I could. So, thank you. Good. Thank you, Josh. Bless you. Thank you, young people. Bless you, eh? Thank you. Wonderful. With that, you're free to go. Come back next week, same time. Good morning, Free Life Church, and happy Sunday. We are glad you've joined us today. We would love to connect with you. Connection cards are a great way to let us know if you're new to us, any needs or comments you may have, or how we can connect with you. 
To submit a card, simply scan the QR code on the back of the seat or visit the Connect page on our website. If you are a first-time visitor, please stop by the Connection Corner in the lobby to receive your welcome bag. We look forward to meeting you. Have you made the decision to follow Christ but have yet to be baptized? If you would like to take that next step in your faith, you can sign up now for our water baptisms, hosted on August 7th at the Pools Home in Leesburg. Follow the QR code here or go to our events page to register. On Saturday, August 13th, One Hope Ministries is holding their annual back-to-school fiesta. Help support this amazing ministry by providing needed folders and notebooks or sponsor a child's backpack by donating online. One Hope Ministries is also in need of volunteers for the day of the event. Please visit our events page for more information and to volunteer. Here at Free Life, we believe in kingdom giving and we invite you to give toward the work God is doing. The easiest way to give is by scanning the QR code here with your mobile device. Checks or cash may be dropped in the connect box at the back of the sanctuary. We thank you for your partnership with us. Stay informed of upcoming events and important announcements by signing up for text updates and our newsletter. Simply text FREE LIFE to 41400 to sign up. Remember, to learn about all of our upcoming events, please see the events page on our website. Thanks for joining us today.